Welcome to the Ringing Air Podcast, brought to you by KillBoringMusic.com, your ally in the crusade against boring music. I'm Joby, writer, writer, photographer, and native Californian porky pig impersonator living in the Midwestern mecca that is Wichita, Kansas. Uh, check me out at booksofjob.com. That's J-O-B-E.com. Social media at Books of Job. And with me, as always, my cohort, my co-conspirator, my co-host, Jeff Nail, writer and contributor to various outlets as such as The Daily Beast and Billboard. Our aim this week, as it is every week, is to share with you our passion for music, chronicle our continuing obsession with music, and above all else, help you. The listener avoid boring music because Jeff, what do we do with boring music? We don't care. <laughs> That's exactly right. Actually, I mean, we care a little. We care enough to tell people to avoid it. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh yeah, uh, yeah. So we're we're like your 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 captains. We're helping you navigate the murky waters of the auditory sea. We're going to let you know what to avoid and what you're going to want to blast to keep your ears ringing. So, Jeffrey, deep dark depths of depression nail how are we doing this week oh actually i'm great you know why why uh i cannot see the sun there's clouds there's clouds in san diego it's misting i couldn't be happier right now that is like the perfect weather (laughs) it's been i was just uh on twitter the other day people were talking about autumn and stuff and Oh, this is your weather check with Jeff and Joby on uh, on uh, killboymusic.com. Uh, yeah, and uh, everyone's talking about autumn and pumpkin spice and blah. I'm looking outside. I'm like, it's going to be fucking 80 until Christmas here. Right. Uh, so, and it's, I know, I know, I know. I live in San Diego. Quit complaining, but no, and sorry. It's, it's global climate change is real. This sucks. We never get rain anymore. It's bright all the time. It's hot all the time. So today, today I am a very happy man. We should do rain songs. Do you have songs you only listen to when it's raining? Uh, no. Or, or like songs that pair well with certain weather? Well, yeah, I mean, there are some songs I just kind of always think of in, in certain types of weather. Yeah, I guess you're, yeah, I guess you're right there. I do have some of those. I am, I am such a sucker for, for playlists like that. I've been curating those for decades now. But anyway, how are you doing? I am doing okay. I have got the young one knocked out. He hopefully will be out for the duration, so no one has to listen to his <laughs> rantings and ravings like the last couple episodes. I did a lot of editing on the last I'll episode. Bet. Yeah, <laughs> I'll bet. Well, anyway, so. well, okay. Well, we're still glad to have him uh, more or less on the show, if not only uh, with his presence. Right. Well, let's. Should we go ahead and just jump right in? Um, I don't know. We don't have a lot of. Well, we don't have pressing issues really. Um, I just wanted to personally to give a quick. Shout out. I don't even know if he listens to the show. I, I think he might only uh, follow us on Facebook. I don't know. But Jordan from uh, Eat Sleep Catapult, our former unsigned artist, uh, he took exception yeah. to something I said kind of disparaging about corn and, and <laughs> came to their defense. And I we actually had kind of an interesting conversation. And I actually really enjoy that kind of thing, even though I don't think he really changed my mind. Um, yeah. I kind of implied that no one liked corn after their first album. Uh, he well, said, and I, uh, I get the impression he's a, young, a younger fella as well. So that's, you know, that's yeah, whole, whole thing. Yeah, I, I definitely would uh, got that impression, too, because he, he said that they he was not only looking to forward to their new album, which was what we posted, that they had a new album coming out. Right. Uh, but he, he also said that they changed the course of music. And I I really was genuinely curious at that. And I, I asked how and he. He kind of alluded to their album that came out, I think it was 2010 or 11, where they kind of incorporated a little bit of dubstep. Uh, they they collaborated with Skrillex and some other uh, some other people. 
and they Man, that sounds awful you know i listened to uh i listened to the song uh the title track i think it was mm-hmm. it was far from the worst thing they've ever done okay it, i mean it, well, i wouldn't say it's great but it definitely wasn't the worst thing i'll say this i don't like i said i like you said i don't think he's going to change her mind on corn but i'll i'll maybe give it a listen i just uh well i what i was going to say is eat sleep eat sleep catapult definitely one of the best bands we've had on the show right yeah so yeah, i can I would at least say, give him that yeah, we'll have to we'll have to have like a a year end like a review of our best unsigned artists because at this oh. point I I would say it's easily them and uh, Tortuga Shades. That's a good idea. Yeah. Um. I with Corn though, you know I'll, I'll admit it because I you know I don't think you need to be ashamed of anything you did when you were eighteen unless you're up for a Supreme Court nomination. Ha <laughs> uh, uh, But uh, topical. I, I was, uh, yeah, torn from the headlines. I was um. <laughs> I was obsessed with that first record. Uh, you know, when when I was in high school, uh, uh, I was attracted to a more emotional brand of music most of the time. I think that was kind of part of the fabric in the mid-'90s. And uh, when that first record came out in 95, I picked up the cassette on a whim. Uh, I'd never even heard of it. I just, I just grabbed it. And it's weird because I remember back then, any discretionary funds I had went to things I knew I wanted. And right. yet somehow this this album just looked dark and uh, I and, and I loved it. I remember really liking how rough it sounded. And I even remember appreciating how um, hard on the sleeve and, and honest Jonathan Davis was lyrically. Uh, but, you know, now when I look back on it, it feels juvenile and, and um, over dramatized, I guess. Hyperbolic. I could see, I could see, I could never get on board with Jonathan Davis, really. Um, at, at times, he was for me was just kind of uh, passable. Like I could, I could bear it. But I, what I really liked the guitar work. I, I really, so many bands with two guitars don't seem to take advantage of the fact that they have two guitars. Right. And if you listen to that album loud enough, or if you have headphones on, you can actually hear each guitar doing its own thing independently. And I just I loved the way they took advantage of that. And those riffs on that first record just seemed raw and angry. Yeah. And then by that second album, I was already kind of losing that that feeling. When Jonathan Davis starts singing Nick Knack Paddywhack, Give the Dog a Bone, I'm really <laughs> about to check out, you know? Yeah. Well, and like you said, the guitar work can be impressive. I think that was the first time I'd even I'm sure they invented it suit <laughs> to a certain degree, if not 100 mm-hmm. uh, percent. The, they have seven strings on their guitars. Right. Yeah, and and they have like a real heavy uh, hip hop influence on a lot of the, the little noises mm-hmm. they were making and things, uh, which I know is partially due to Tom Morello. But um, yeah, oh, I, yeah. And then I also kind of felt like it was that classic scenario we've talked about before, where they had years to write that first album, and then yeah. only you know a year and a half to write the second one, and they just couldn't recreate it. Whereas their contemporaries, I, of which is part of the problem that I don't like corn uh these days is, is because their contemporaries seem to get better and and mm-hmm. and kind of were superior to me like deftones and far and mm-hmm. uh and, and groups like that and and corn kind of felt like they were recycling 
their sound. Um, yeah. When he said that they had worked with Skrillex, I was like, well, yeah, of course they they have no ideas. I'm sure, but now I feel bad for <laughs> now I feel bad for assuming I should go back and listen. Well, either way, I just want to thank Jordan, if he is listening, for, uh, you know, engaging me and not just getting, you know, pissed off and telling me I suck because I had a different opinion than him, you know. Well, I, I, actually, like, it, I like it when someone cites evidence. Like recently, yeah. uh, another listener, Bill, was defending Kiss because uh, right. I had posted something disparaging about Kiss. And I, I really, I hate Kiss. Um, <laughs> I mean, really, like uh, Gene Simmons is, is essentially just Donald Trump only more obnoxious and disgusting somehow and better uh, with money i guess yeah yeah he's yeah he would sell his soul for sure right um, right but you know uh to a, to a certain degree though also i understand why people love kiss i just don't right uh, i get why people like them and i think bill even used evidence that no longer rings true for me is when people go oh yeah but i saw them live and it's like i don't give a fuck if you you know no offense to bill but right. everyone's everyone's better live <laughs> you know like that doesn't sell a record to me yeah exactly i mean i saw them live and i would if anyone can go see them either for free or very cheap i would highly recommend it but it's not mm -hmm. going to make me uh you know go listen to their albums afterwards or anything you know it's it's just a big it's a big production it's you know it's worth yeah. seeing if you if you're able to you know but i wouldn't shell out the kind of money they probably charge but at the same time, I get why they worked for a time. They 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 were scary and dangerous in the seventies, and mm -hmm. and uh, it was at a time where where exposure was a lot more limited, and it probably was a lot more compelling. Uh, but 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 to Bill, it didn't matter. Listener Bill just was like, "No, I saw him, and they're fucking awesome." So, <laughs> well, and you know, he was uh, he did mention though something that I also shared how he never could understand how some of the guitarists for like some of the harder bands that came after could oh, cite yeah. kiss is a, such a big influence. Like I, I don't see the connection between somebody like Dimebag Daryl and, and kiss. It just doesn't, you know, I don't quite see that, but if you were growing up in that time, I'm sure it makes perfect sense, you know? And I could see rudimentary, uh, in a rudimentary kind of way, how it translates. If you learn guitar, you're going to learn, you want to play like, uh, like Paul Stanley, you know, Paul Stanley, yeah. Paul, Paul Stanley was, which one is Paul? I can't even keep him straight. Paul Stanley and who's the other guitarist? Uh, Ace Freely. There you go. But know. Ace was the, the hotter guitarist, right? He was. Uh, oh yeah, by far. He yeah, and he had yeah. the uh, the smoke bombs in his uh, front pickup there, so oh, he yeah. could set that off while he was soloing. Well, this isn't quite the same thing, but at some point on a future episode here in the next, hopefully maybe two or three episodes, I wanted to devote a little time to talking about gimmicks because I have oh, okay. some. Uh, there's one uh, there's a musical current I want to feature that's kind of gimmicky, but I don't I want to talk about where the line is between gimmick and someone who's actually, you know, innovative or, you know, creative. So that'll be a tease for everyone. Just tune okay. back in in a week or two. Okay. Uh, well, should we go ahead and uh, get into the uh, you've got a Spotify wager to uh, to rectify I and I, I have a musical current. So you were assigned the album Negro Swan by Blood Orange. I was yeah. kind of uh, fascinated by this. Uh, what, what did you think of this album? H have you listened to this? I have. Okay. Uh, so I, I had only heard the name, and, and uh, just, just for some speaking of rudimentary, here's some basics. Blood Orange is the working title of, uh, or, you know, sort of like Nine Inch Nails is to Trent Reznor. Uh, Blood Orange is Devante Hines, who is a Brit, right? Yes, he is. And I guess, and I saw this 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 uh, label mentioned, and I guess it works. Uh, Spacey Chill Wave, 
music. <laughs> it's I know it sounds like a micro genre, but uh, that's that's I, I get it. It's spacey and it's chill and it's you know, uh, it's it, it. I see um, influences in Prince here, a uh, little Lenny Kravitz, a little Frank Ocean, even a little Curtis Mayfield. You know, it's definitely like a soul record. Um, but it's it's a dark one, and I, I guess the, that was done purposely. Uh, it's it, and you know maybe this speaks to my privilege as a white guy or or something along those lines. Um, but I didn't when I first listened to this, I didn't hear it too much as a political album, even though it's sort of interspersed with with uh, a sort of a it's almost like a woman reading out of her book or something. And and I, I looked her up later, and I of course quickly forgot who she is. Uh, but she talks sort of about the politics of being black, and mm-hmm. and uh, but I would I don't think I would have guessed that from the music. I would have guessed it's like a Frank Ocean type thing where it's mostly about love. Uh, maybe I wasn't listening very closely the first time around. Um, there's a weary quality to this this music, even though it's really crisply produced. Uh, it's it sort of reminds me of Maxwell. Do you remember Maxwell? Oh sure, yeah. You know, I mean, he's only in the sense that it's both done really smooth, although th- this is definitely more interesting than Maxwell. But I'm having this, a similar reaction where I get it. OK, you're smooth. What else? You know, I want I want it to be a little more interesting because uh, sometimes it can be too simple. It's it's it has a few sort of R&B staples that I've grown weary of, like um, like wah-wah guitars, subtle, plaintive wah-wah guitars and uh, twinkling piano but at least he mixes up some uh, some hip hop beats that i appreciate you know the mm-hmm. drums the drums come across real loud uh, mm-hmm. in, in the mix and i kind of like that not not off-puttingly and maybe you wouldn't even notice it if i hadn't pointed it out um, it, but it can feel immediate and important at times uh, but overall it's not an exciting record i don't think um, mm-hmm. uh, however, a lot of times you'll you'll suggest I list or you'll assign me something, and I'll listen to it and I'll review it and I'll never go back. I'll probably go back to this. Oh, okay. So, what did you think? Uh, well, in a in a word, I was underwhelmed. Okay. Um, yeah. I, I I just honestly I picked it at random. I had no idea uh, who Blood Orange was. I was just looking for something. I wanted to just write a review for the website, and I picked that. I listened to it. I really casually, I wasn't paying real close attention. And I was like, God, this isn't that great. This will be an easy review to write. And then I, you know, I always kind of just skim through some other reviews to make sure I'm not parroting, you know, anything else. And yeah. it was just acclaimed left and right. And I was like, well, right. wait a minute, what's going on with this that I'm not hearing? Well, it's a and political s- record and it's, it's, you know, I think that plays a part. Yeah. I feel like it's, it's going, it's being kind of lauded as, it's an important record being mistaken for a good record to me. Well, and we do, and I, I cannot give this a bad review because I kind of like a lot of it. But also, you have to give, as, as white men, we have to at least go, I may not know what the fuck I'm talking about here. You know, this, mm-hmm. this is probably, it's like uh, back to Camp Cope, where there is a certain, I think, portion of whatever the statements, uh, the statement of purpose is for this album that we may be blind to. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I get that they're, you know, he's making a lot of uh, statements that, you know, are important. And that's why I think part of it, the, where the acclaim comes from. But just musically speaking, it, it was to me a little flat. Yeah. Yeah. And the title makes sense, though. Negro Swan. It's he, he sings. I'm going to play uh, Charcoal Baby, which is kind of the song that, that gets mentioned the most. 
Uh, but in that song, he mentions uh, no one wants to be the Negro Swan. And mm-hmm. uh, and it when I was reading up on it, I was, oh, yeah, like indigenous peoples, wherever this was, uh, you know, the black swan was the thing of beauty and the thing of luck. And then then white colonialists came in and thought decided it was bad and they killed them. <laughs> you know, right. I can't remember. I can't remember exactly the context of that, but I think that's the, the comparison uh, that he's drawing. I like the beat and I like sort of the, the feel and the rhythm uh, and I like the siren in the background I feel like that's a nice touch uh, but then there's those layered vocals that just put me to sleep right away you know where he's yeah. he's tracked like four or five of himself maybe more for all I know and uh, and the vocals just feel kind of less than intimate and I, I for something so nuanced like this I kind of need I want more intimacy I guess right did you hear anything in the in the music that it, it, to me it almost sounded like he was kind of tweaking the tempo up and down? Yeah, like that, mm-hmm. that's something I heard on that last uh, Jack White album. That, that almost gives me like like the auditory version of motion sickness. I really don't like that. I don't think it's the percussion or anything. I, I think it's just the the there's like a you know you know when they used to have uh, keyboard stores at the mall. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I remember I used to go in there and you'd play one note and you'd spin this little wheel back and forth and it would yeah. change the pitch. That's yeah. kind of I feel like he's just he's doing that ever so slightly and it, I, I can't uh, tell if I like it or not. <laughs> oh, I definitely know I don't. Yeah, that's not for me. I didn't like it when Jack White did it. I don't like it when he does it either. Oh, I'll take this over Jack White's solo stuff. <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Anyway. So it's basically solidly solidly mediocre. I don't. I wouldn't go that far. I don't think it's mediocre. I think it's better than that. It's. Uh, I'd call it a B minus, probably. Okay. Uh, that's now that fair. I, now that I think about it, I think Pitchfork was actually harder on them on him than I, I I'm being because I think they gave him a seven point something. Wow. Okay. So, All right. Yeah. A little uneven. All right. Well, I am going to change gears here with my uh, musical current. I uh, have a band I don't know in a, a whole lot about. They. Uh, they call themselves a snappy indie rock duo. They really like the word snappy. Uh, they have a three sentence bio. I'm going to read it real quick. Okay. Indie, indie rock in its catchiest and most powerful form, proudly presented by two very snappy individuals in constant pursuit of the snappiest combined with the catchiest. Two and a half instruments, okay. two and a half vocals, at least 2.75 music. Uh, This is a band called The Bullseyes Um, I don't know where they're from They don't list on their bio Where they're from I don't believe they're American Because their names have a lot of consonants Uh, Matus Jarzabek I I don't know I don't know where they're from 
but I, you know, when I'm ever when I'm looking for stuff to to play on currents, I'm usually sitting on anywhere from six to eight different tracks, just kind of depending on what our show is going to be about or what kind of music we're going to feature. And in this case, I felt like I needed to bring something a little lighter to the table because the show's yeah. going to get a little dark towards towards the end as we as we go. And you know, the first time I heard this song, I didn't think I liked it. I couldn't put my finger on it. I felt like something was off about this mm-hmm. song, but I'll be damned if I didn't just keep going back to listen to it. And now I'm, I, I guarantee if not you, someone listening will have this song in their head for at least the next three days. Um, oh. it, it does. It is very catchy and it will stick in your, in your craw. Um, is, is this anything like that? Uh, what's the band from Australia? We did a few weeks back. The chats. The chats, yes. It's not not that uh, hard. It, it's got a heavy little edge to it, but it's very very catchy pop though. Um, okay. I now I don't know how you feel about watching videos the first time you hear a band, or if you'd rather just listen without that influence. Um, but I did watch their video when I heard this uh-huh. the first time, and they it's a very uh, unique video. Um, they uh, they're kind of dancing around in some fields with like scarves on and. Although I don't hear the instruments, they're playing ukuleles and accordions and whatnot. It's a, a mm. I, I don't quite get it. Do you know that actor Adam Pauly? No, he's a he's a comedic actor. He was on New Girl and uh, he's been in some other stuff. He's a real oh, goofball. I, I guarantee my wife knows who he is. Then he's a real goofball, and I I could just picture him in this band. It seems like a band that he should be <laughs> in because he's kind of the same way. He dresses kind of like whenever he's on like a talk show or like, or at least when he's on Conan, he dresses really extravagantly. Like he dresses up for it, like in character, like clothes. What's his He'll name dr- again? Adam Polly. How do you spell it? I th- yeah, that's a good question. Maybe P O L L E Y. I just wondered. I, it's going to bug our listeners. If you're, if you're fucking up that name, P A L L Y P A L L Y. Oh, Pally. Pally. Maybe Polly. Adam Pally. Uh, does who does he play on New Girl? Uh oh wait, did I say New Girl? I thought so. God damn it, I did. Happy Endings is the show I meant. Oh, I don't know Happy Endings. Okay. See, I got I got uh I got what's his name? Damon Wayans <laughs> Jr., whoever the hell in my head. Yeah. <laughs> uh he was in I just watched some movie on Netflix with him. That's why he's in my mind so much. What but, uh, uh what song from the Bullseyes do you want to play? It is called Yet There's You. It's their newest single. It just came out a couple months ago. And yeah, this will be in your head for uh, for a while now. I thought I cleared my head. I thought there's nothing left. There's you. No matter how I sound, how much I am out there's you. Flowers on the ground, birds are flying high. No matter how I try, you're still in my mind. And in my mind. Yeah, my mind there is here Flowers on the ground, birds are flying high No matter how I try, you're still in my mind And in my mind, yeah, in my mind there is here You, you, Kind of high energy, maybe a little sardonic. It's hard to tell. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. 
so I, I actually don't love reverb, but I kind of like their use of it here. Right. And, yeah. Uh, and the guitar work, the guitar interplay is fun. Uh, I mean, it's uh, we. I guess we should listen to, to more of their stuff because I wonder if that's something they always do. If it is, I'd be interested. I listened to one other song of theirs just out of curiosity, and I, it didn't do a whole lot for me. So mm. uh, I'm I'm curious if the the rest of their new stuff. I don't know. I assume this is off of a new album that they're working on or something. I'm curious if it all has this same uh, tone because this didn't yeah. sound like their older stuff. It looks like they don't have any a full title out yet. Uh, oh. Unless it's I'm looking around. Oh, and by the way, uh, you're just a racist or whatever because they're obviously just the kids of immigrants or something because their names. But they're from Chicago. <laughs> oh bull crap! They're uh, not from <laughs> Chicago. They well, live you in know, Chicago now. They, well, you don't think there are any uh, Slavic <laughs> names in in Illinois? You're crazy. <laughs> uh, they they just showed up there like three years ago. They don't fool me. <laughs> uh yeah i don't see a full title here i see like four or five singles so oh okay i don't know well. anyway well yeah it's it's a, I, although i do sort of feel like uh i feel i mean i liked the black keys when they first came out like 15 mm -hmm. years ago and they've they've sort of slowly but surely gotten to a point where they're insufferable Mm -hmm. And uh, and I, I I kind of sort of begrudge their influence on popular rock music these days because yeah you can hear that in this in these guys uh, sound and I don't I kind of wish I couldn't right the Black Keys almost uh, I I did briefly consider putting them on uh, my list here today for songs that have been ruined because they are so played out they really are yeah. Yeah, and that's when not I, even their only problem. But like, if you go to their their Thick Freakness era, mm -hmm. really, really thick blues riffs, good stuff, felt mm -hmm. edgy, you know. And then they they kind of went the the Kings of Leon FM radio route, and and um, I I do remember the, the the album called El Camino being kind of good, but still just way too pop centric for me. Yeah, uh, yeah. I guess they you could do worse. Sold out. But. Well, I mean, I don't know what they're selling. I guess they are selling their music to commercials, but, you know, whatever. Yeah. Who doesn't do that these days? All right, everybody. Well, that's going to bring us to the heart of the matter, the elephant in the room, where we discuss a thought-provoking, thought-provoking. I am just all over the place today, man. I'm a mess. You really are. I, too much caffeine, I think. I'm, I'm hooked on these iced coffees. Uh, a thought-provoking. Oh, it's so funny you mentioned that. I am so caffeinated today. Are you really? <laughs> oh yeah, I am. I am tanked right now. <laughs> it's it's such a fine line for me between being adequately caffeinated and over-caffeinated. Oh. It's just, and I, I think I might have overdone it. Uh, the the uh, elephant in the room this week is uh, kind of a an odd one, but one we really were interested in doing. It's songs that have been ruined for us that we can no longer listen to. Uh, yeah. Songs that have a negative connotation for us personally. And, you know, um, uh, speaking of negative, I mean, it doesn't have to be biological or biological, autobiographical. Uh, but I think a lot of it will end up being, if I'm guessing, I, if I know you at all, Joby, it's going to be a lot of autobiography here. But there are yeah. other reasons songs can get ruined. Uh, overexposure, oh, absolutely. Overexposure for one. Yeah, um, actually, uh, I didn't officially list it as an also ran, but you know, one I, I really considered was uh, Born on the Bayou by Creedence Clearwater Revival. Because I actually really like that song, but I can't listen to it without hearing choppers in my head going into fucking <laughs> yeah. Vietnam. 
Um, yeah, uh, it's the same thing with uh, Hendrix's uh, cover of Bob Dylan. Um, right, all, all along the Watchtower. watchtower. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Uh, so yeah, there's a lot of reasons songs can get uh, you know played out. Um, but yeah, in my case, definitely all three are going to be personal experiences. Um, one's a little more comical than the other two. The other two are both related to the same uh, same thing. And yeah. it'll get a little dark, but that's okay. We're we're fine. We're fine. Well, we, we're are on, the, we're, hmm? we are on the edge of October. I think this will actually come out like October one or something. So that's oh, perfect well, timing. perfect. Okay, and we'll still end it on some some you know some light stuff. There'll be some levity to kind of balance it out. It'll be all right. Yeah, don't yeah, be scared, you know everybody. It'll be fine. <laughs> actually, so, uh, I'm I'm guessing this will be a popular episode because because we are gonna get into the shit. I think. Think so? Well, it, it'll be sort of part therapy session, won't it? Uh, maybe I don't maybe. know. Well, maybe we'll just end making light of our personal our personal traumas. <laughs> Who knows? Well, Probably. why don't you kick us off here? What's your number three? What song has been ruined for you? You know, this is a song I still love and I can still listen to, but because I've listened to it so often, uh, it's it's just one of those things that I know it too well. Uh-huh. Uh, I it's not ruined, ruined, but it's it, it, at least it, it sort of is. Um, this is a song by And So I Watch You From Afar. Have you heard of them, Joby? <laughs> that sounds so familiar. I, they're, I uh, think. they're a four-piece from Belfast, Ireland. Uh, Rory, Nile, Johnny, and Chris, all of whom I've met. Um, I actually uh, went to... Well, here, let me start here. Back in 2009, I don't even know exactly where I read it, but I read about this album. They're, still, they're self-titled, which... Um, it wasn't a re-release, but they had released some of these songs prior. And it has this really goofy album, like abstract uh, cover art. And but but the blurb I read, I think it was in a men's magazine or something, uh, gave me pause. It made me interested. And I think I might have. Well, anyway, I wrote it down. I downloaded it, and um, I'm gonna circle back to this person in my number one. But I was. In the midst of a pretty toxic relationship, uh, one I've mentioned on the show before. And you know you're in a toxic relationship if every time you get home from work, you'd rather go back <laughs> to work. Amen. Uh, you know that when your significant other leaves town, you're like, hell yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so that's exactly what happened. Uh, I'm just going to call this girlfriend Diane, uh, I've decided. So Diane leaves town. I, I had just downloaded this album and uh, Diane was a really messy person uh, in the house. You know, I was always the one that did the dishes and emptied the cat boxes and stuff. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, so I spent sort of the weekend, like three to four days worth of a weekend, a long weekend, cleaning the house and just listening to this album over and over and over. And um, and I, I became so obsessed with it. It was all I could listen to for like, I don't know, like six months. I mean, really, I didn't listen to anything else. It there, there's something so compelling about their music to me. Like I've always said that their day, this record should be used as in a movie as a score. I read a review once that compared it to like, um, I don't know, like like a whales, <laughs> like like two humpback whales fighting in outer space. <laughs> you know, it's <laughs> it's got such a big sound with a punk edge. Um, it's all instrumental. Eventually, they would uh, introduce some vocals, but not on this record. 
And uh, later on, I would actually use this in my classroom because I did some some training that said uh, you should you should incorporate music in your classroom as cues. So when I taught history, I'd play the Indiana Jones theme song, for example. Hmm. Uh, okay. When we did science, it would be She Blinded Me With Science by Thomas Dolby. Uh, but my our, the opening salvo of each day was this song, the one we use for this podcast, Set Guitars to Kill. And uh, so th I use this for like two full school school years. So I've I've heard this, I, I've got to think over a thousand times probably. More. <laughs> I've just heard it oh, so wow. often, and you know I can still appreciate it. Obviously, uh, you know I I reached out to the band uh, to get permission to use it for the show because I thought it fit. Uh, but every time I hear it, I'm like right back in my classroom, or I'm right, right. back in in Diane's house. And, uh, and so it is ruined to a certain degree. Uh, but I, I, if nothing else, I wanted our, our listeners to get, a, get at least a little bit more of a listen uh, beyond the, I don't know where, like a minute and a half mark is usually when we cut it off in the intro. So here is a little bit more of Set Guitars to Kill. Joby, you've actually you've heard this, obviously. Uh, what mm -hmm. do you think of the song? I don't know if I've ever asked you. Oh, I think it's a great song. It's always kind of a a bummer when when the show starts and I, I come in uh, when it's so early in the song still. Uh, but yeah. I have to point out that if listeners are are making us proud and doing what they should be doing, being good listeners, <laughs> they should be going to Spotify, listening to our playlists because you include that on almost every playlist, don't you? <laughs> I do. Yeah. So they yeah. should know this song. Yeah, well, and I don't think I, – I can't tell, really. We don't have any data on Spotify, so I assume people don't, fuckers. Yeah, I kind of do, too, honestly. <laughs> um, I feel like that's just more for us. There is sort of a, a coda to this to the, my relationship with this band. Um, after I had escaped uh, the clutches of this girlfriend and I had obsessed over, like, two or three of their – two of their records, this one and the one that came after – a friend of mine uh, works PR in L.A., and he said, why don't you come to uh, Austin City Limits uh, with me this year? Oh, wait. <laughs> South by Southwest. I <laughs> get those mixed up. Uh, why don't mm -hmm. you come to South by Southwest for me? I'm going to go. I don't really have to do anything for work, but a friend of mine is going, and she's um, she's dating one of the guys 
in uh, a band. And I was like, oh, what band? And he said, oh, I have to look it up. I can't remember. I have to ask her. And he told me, and it was this band. <laughs> and so so I met these guys, but I, I really hit it off with Chris Wee, their drummer, uh, a really nice guy, uh, really. Like, I assumed everyone in South by Southwest would just be kind of up their own assholes, especially if they're performing yeah. uh, showca- showcases. But they they weren't. And, they, um, and it was so strange that out of all the bands that this girl – that Kevin knew could have been, I mean, they were, they were essentially my favorite current band when he said this. And, and uh, I went and I had pints with, with Chris and we geeked out on the smashing pumpkins. He's a big Jimmy Chamberlain guy. And, uh, I still see him about once a year, as long as they come to the States and he remembers me. And I actually even got, um, there, I think we've mentioned this on the show before I'm tattooed with their logo. Uh, mm-hmm. so I'm pretty in their camp. <laughs> when it comes down to it uh so it was just uh it was too cool to be able to and they played um they played a, the bat bar if if people if anyone knows austin at all and that was i think that's still the best set i've ever seen them play and i've seen them play a number of times and i've heard this song played live a number of times <laughs> so so it's ruined only slightly so when you played it at school did you play it all the way through yeah. Yeah. Oh. What, what happens is I uh, I would bring my kids in as soon as they got to their desks. Uh, the the instructions were to get out your homework, get your journal out, you know, like we did the, pretty much the same thing every morning. And they had to be ready before the song was over, which isn't a tall order because it's only like a five minute song. Mm-hmm. So usually they were well, well ready before the end of it even. Uh, but I had a, you know, that 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 school's population was kind of challenging. So I always had four or five uh, buttholes who uh, <laughs> took their sweet-ass time. Oh, uh, sure. But that, yeah, that was basically all how I used it. Uh, but, yeah, anyway. Okay. So that's pretty light, right? What have you got? Something uh, a little little heavier? We, we haven't really gotten dark yet. We're, we're easing into it. This is going to be the uh, uh, my light one of the three. Um, it's probably, I don't know about yours. This may be the only drug-related song also. Um, oh, fun. Okay, so let me uh, set the scene. Um uh, in a way, this does tie into the other two because it still involves the same toxic relationship I also uh, was dealing with um, and I managed to kind of get away from. Um, so I, I moved out of my house and I moved into a pretty small, bare apartment. Uh, it looked like the kind of apartment that a serial killer would rent just to prove that they lived somewhere like as an alibi like there was right. nothing in it the, the walls were bare i mean there was like one like a futon and a tv that was it yeah. um, but you know that's what i made do with for for quite some time and uh, eventually i decided i needed to get away i needed to just remove myself from the state of kansas for a, just as briefly as i you know what? however briefly never <laughs> oh god i hope to do it again very soon yeah. but um there's only so many places I could go. I couldn't afford to fly anywhere really. And, uh, the only places that were a drive away were Oklahoma, Texas, Colorado, you know, Missouri, and (laughs) not a lot of, not a lot of good choices there. Texas was really too far. I mean, I'd been to Dallas before, so I didn't really want to go there. Uh, And I had, as long as we lived here, I'd never been to Colorado and I'd always wanted to go there. And so, uh, uh, it really didn't take much too long at all to decide that Denver was the the winner of this uh, contest. Mm-hmm. So I worked uh, about 60 hours a week for a month to save up. I, I went into this last episode, um, drove to Colorado. Um, now, the thing about Colorado, as most people know, 
they have legalized marijuana there. They do. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, at the time that I went there, I hadn't had any marijuana in quite some time, at least a few years. So I had zero <laughs> tolerance, basically. <laughs> so I I'd purchased some, uh, not much, because I didn't have a lot of money. I spent all my money just getting the uh, accommodations in Denver, and I rented a car because my truck was a piece of shit. Oh, really? But um, okay. I made do. And uh, I I didn't do much the first day because I knew my tolerance was low, and I wanted to go see some stuff. I, and I didn't want to be driving around high as balls. So. Yeah. The second day, I decided to go to the uh, downtown aquarium there in Denver. And that's when I decided it was time to, to get down to business. I figured where better than an aquarium to really kind of get, <laughs> yeah. get deep with some, some marijuana, right? So sure. uh, I, I didn't smoke that much. I, I smoked uh, maybe three hits off of a, a joint, and uh, I ate an edible, a little cherry uh, gummy oh. thing. Yeah, and uh, I, I walked across the street to got in line, and it, it didn't take long before things really started to just kind of seem like kind of dreamlike, kind of <laughs> surreal. Uh, because as I stood in line waiting to get in, I was looking around and I realized that this place—it was an aquarium, but it was really just geared for little kids. Uh, they, they, they had like mascots, you know, like like the the ones oh. that you know, like furries, like Chuck E. Cheese kind of things with the heads <laughs> yes. on them. And just yeah. all of a sudden, everywhere I looked, I was seeing these things. And there's kids running around getting their pictures taken with them, and I I, I started to panic. I started to get kind of clammy, and I was the only person by themselves in this whole place, and that just doubled my paranoia like yeah. instantly. They're like, looking oh at me. God. I look, I look so fucking suspicious right now. Look at me. God, look at me. And I ended up having to get out of line because I couldn't handle it. I was so freaked out that I, I couldn't handle just standing in a line oh, with people. So you didn't even make it in. Oh, no, no, no. I didn't even make it like halfway through the line. I had to leave. I had oh, to leave. Wow. So I went outside to get some air and there was a big uh, kind of like a what would you call it? A courtyard like picnic area out there, like, you know, concrete, but like picnic tables yeah. and stuff. And I, I just found the nearest bench and I sat down because I didn't know how much longer I'd have use of my legs because I was so, <laughs> I was so edibles, high. Edibles are not to be trifled with alone. Yeah, and they, they keep getting stronger. So it was still, you know, yeah. sitting, you know, settling in for me. Uh, so I, I sat down. I pulled out my phone just so I'd have something to look at because I knew otherwise I would just stare straight ahead, you know, glazed over. Yeah. And uh, they, they Could had. Did you use your phone? Were you focused enough? I, I was, well, within about maybe 10 minutes, I started to kind of get my wits about me and started like, because then I had to figure out what I was going to do. I didn't want to, I was too embarrassed to get back up and go back in line again. Yeah. So I was like, yeah. huh, I've got to do something before I, before this all wears off. But the thing was they had, so there's these kids running around making me very nervous because I'm still, again, I'm sitting alone on a bench full of kids <laughs> yes. everywhere. I feel like a pervert. You're contemplating the fetal position, oddly. Yeah, enough, I, sure. I, feel, I feel like I should be wearing a trench coat or something. Yeah. Uh, and then I, I just start looking around and I, I'm seeing bubbles everywhere. They had jets in the, in the walls that shot bubbles out into this courtyard. Oh my god! And so I'm just seeing bubbles, and then this this song, my number three, starts playing, and it just it oh just they have they're they're capper. they're piping in music in the lobby. Yeah, and I guess they were trying to keep a nautical theme, but they wanted to appeal to their very very young uh, preschool clientele. Yeah. So uh, they it? played a a little song called "Under the Sea" from the movie The Little Mermaid. And yeah. 
What did that do to you? Uh, it it really just <laughs> it was such a surreal feeling because I, I wasn't sure if I could get up yet. I was sitting there staring oh, at my phone, listening to this music, and there was some kid who was playing tag with his friend or something, and he kept running back to the bench right where I was sitting. I was like, kid, oh, get God. away from me. Oh my God. I am gonna I'm gonna have to be a registered offender after this, I can tell. Mommy, that man over there is breathing hard. <laughs> Why is he so sweaty? Oh, God. So, so yeah, whenever well, oh, I hear wait, Hold this, on. So you're number three. We're listening to Under the Sea? Yes. Yes, sir. Because okay. this song well, is officially ruined for me. Well, yeah. And and I'm surprised you knew this song because you've – didn't you say something before about not knowing kids' movies very well? Yeah, I don't. I And I really I, – I recognized it when I heard it, but I didn't even know what it was from. And then I heard it again like okay. months later, and I was like, oh, my God, that's that song that I heard when I was tripping balls outside the aquarium. The seaweed is always greener in somebody else's lake. You dream about going up there, but that is a big mistake. Just look at the world around you, right here on the ocean floor. Such wonderful things around you. What more is you looking for? Under the sea, under the sea. Darling, it's better down where it's wetter. Take it from me. I'll find the shore, they work all day. Out in the sun, they slave away. You know, I am far removed from my pot smoking days. Uh, mm -hmm. More than anything, even though it's legal now, pot is so much stronger than it used to be. Right. Uh, that I, I don't remember the last time I did it, but it was too much for me. But uh, I can I can easily see why this song would underscore this trauma, for lack of a better <laughs> label. Because, yeah. you know, really, really, it should be, you know, when you're stoned, you, you would figure you would be sort of more childlike, you know, more simple. Mm -hmm. uh, but this isn't simple. The, the song is in a way is it's too much color. <laughs> it's too yeah. bright. Turn it. Turn right. it down. And so, well, so how did this end for you? Did this song drive you out of the lobby and on your way home, or did you make it inside? No, well, I uh, I I made it through the song, and I stayed there on that bench for a good twenty minutes until I felt comfortable <laughs> leaving. Um, by and the time I left. left, yeah, I just left, and I had some sort of backup plan. I had finally managed to gain use of my my eyes and and you know coordinate with my phone to kind of figure out something to do so I could go somewhere. I think I went. Where did I go? I think I went to the movies so I could just sit in a darkened theater and like ride out my 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 high. OK, so uh, what's your number two then? That's funny that your your number three is was light and funny because uh, I <laughs> yeah, that's well. And, you know, really, none of mine are real, real dark ones as much as I want to talk about toxic relationships um, like, the, you know, and so I watch you from afar isn't that song isn't ruined. It's just I've heard it too many times. Right. Uh, this one is ruined by a specific tragedy, but it's not it's tragic only in the uh, in the sense of an object. Um, when I was 15, I just started doing driver's ed. You know, it, it, it's funny because I feel old enough to say this or I feel old saying this. Uh, and I'm sure you did this. I don't think they do this anymore. I took driver's ed in a classroom at school as an elective. Yeah, yeah, me too. And I'm pretty sure that's not a thing they do anymore. Um, but anyway, I had started taking driver's le driver's lessons, and and I, you know, to be honest, I was a pretty good driver right away. 
my 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 mom and my stepfather and my dad. Although my dad had me drive his his truck, his huge truck, which was a a manual transmission, which always scared the shit out of me. But uh, beyond that, I was pretty confident driver. But not, you know, I I didn't want to screw around. I didn't want to speed. I didn't, you know, I was a a good kid for the most part. I think, especially behind the wheel. And uh, my grandfather took notice. He was probably, I don't know, mid-70s at this point. And my grandfather, uh, his name was Ira, Ira Frazier. He was sort of the, the Daddy Warbucks of my mom's side of the family. He, was, um, he had been an oil guy briefly. He'd owned racehorses. He, he came out to the West Coast from Nebraska in the, in the 40s or the late 30s and, and just made his mark. And he, he made a fortune in rubber manufacturing and... So he, he always had lots of money, and, and um, he also had this car. Uh, uh, well, I mean, he had a number of nice cars, but he always hung on to this 1966 uh, Ford Mustang, this cherry red, you know, almost completely stock. Well, I take that back. The engine had been replaced, so not a complete line, not <laughs> completely stock. Uh, but anyway, it was real cherry. It was not a nice car. And when I turned, I think I turned 16, he gave it to me. What? He just said, here. And he wrote me a letter that I still have the letter. And it was, you know, I'd always been scared of my grandfather when I was a little kid. He just seemed like a mean fucking, like a, like Oscar the Grouch, like one of the scary uh-huh. Muppets or something. So I never really bonded with him much. Uh, but as a teenager, I sort of warmed up to him a little bit. But I didn't expect any kind of gesture like this. I was really blown away. Wow. And, you know, he had he had another grandson and three granddaughters. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, had two of the grandsons and three other grandsons so but you know for some reason i got it i guess i was the oldest boy uh and um and but but the tragedy is i didn't get around to getting my license until like the summer before my senior year i think and and i i had to watch my mom or stepfather drive it around for like a year and a half (laughs) So, so i barely even got to drive it and i should mention uh, no power steering on this thing, no power brakes. Like when I say oh, some sure. of it was stock, it, it truly was. Right. And when I finally got my license, uh, my parents didn't want me to drive it to school right away. You know, come to think of it, this might have been my junior year. So whatever. But the point is, is I, I, I didn't get right on it where, uh, you know, I was 17 before I was able to even drive it on my own for some reason. Anyway, uh, like on the fourth or fifth day of school, uh, I, I talked my mother into letting me drive it. And for some reason, I was following my stepfather in the Taurus station wagon that they had. I think they were going to – oh, you know what? I, I'm sorry. I wasn't going to drive to school. We were going to take it to the shop. I guess the Mustang was making noise or something. And I was following my stepfather to the shop driving the Mustang, and he was driving the station wagon. Anyway, um, I'm, I'm, I'm doing the thing where I'm a little late, and I'm still at an age where doing my hair matters. You know, I, I don't know if you do you ever comb your hair? I barely comb my hair anymore. Not really, no. Yeah, anyway, but back then it meant everything, I guess. And and but my hair was still wet. So I have my my head hanging out of the window. And all the while I'm playing um, you know, the the, the only reason to drive ever has been the mixtape or to just to play music while I'm driving. It's just I've always thought of it. Even now, I just got a new truck this year where I go, oh, there's my Walkman. You know, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. it's it, there's no point in driving silent ever. And um, and so I always had a tape in the in the deck. And and uh, on this tape, I had this song on at this very moment called Sicamica Nico, which is a uh, sort of a B side of the Red Hot Chili Peppers, but it also appeared on the Wayne's World soundtrack. And uh, this is back when Red Hot Chili Peppers felt kind of edgy still. 
mm-hmm. they hadn't really they hadn't really uh, embraced melody. <laughs> You know, Anthony Kiedis, Kiedis wasn't really, really singing yet, which I think would serve them well for a number of years. And anyway, so I'm blasting Sikamikaniko. I got my head out the window. I get to an intersection where there is a car in, in my lane that is stalled. And I can see the woman uh, messing with something in the back seat. Uh, I try to get over to the left lane. Uh, and, and for those of you, who, if we have Victorville listeners, I'll Joby, you would know. I'm on Hesperia Road. I'm driving south, okay. past industrial or whatever. This woman's car is not moving. I try to get over, and this person will not let me over. And instead of being the good driver that I am, I hit the gas a little, and I try to get in front of that guy in the left-hand lane, and he mm-hmm. is like, fuck you. You're not getting in my lane on such short notice. And I slam into that stalled car in the right lane. Oh man! And I, uh, I, I still can remember what part of the song was playing. It was like the bridge where this song is kind of a headbanger, at least in terms of Chili Peppers standards. But there's mm-hmm. this one, there's this bridge. The, the bridge in the song is sort of it opens up like John Frusciante hits the the low E, and it just sort of rings. And Kiedis, you know, does whatever he does over it. And uh, I just remember like you know. So crunching of metal and that song is playing and I taste blood and uh, and I look down and, and I've got, you know, I touch my face and I've got blood all over. And it wasn't because I hit my face. It was because my, back then I would get bloody noses if someone looked at me wrong you know? <laughs> or, or if I was stressed or too hot or dehydrated. So I uh, th- so my nose had just sprung a leak because of the stress of it. I look up and this woman has a car seat in the back of her car. Oh, God. And I'm freaking out. I just killed a baby. I just killed mm-hmm. this car. Um, my stepfather pulled over and ran up to the woman and asked her if she was all right. She says, no, my back hurts. I'm like, oh, my God, I have really screwed the pooch on this one. Um, as luck would have it, she was okay. The baby was okay. I was okay. The Mustang was dead. Oh, man. My grandfather had given me this car. I had driven it on my own for a total of like two fucking days. And oh, it was my total. God. And uh, every time I hear, and I, I guess you're not going to come across this song very often, uh, but every time I hear the bridge in Sikamikaniko, I'm tasting blood again. <laughs> oh, my God. take questions now well it's uh that's i mean you could get into a car accident to a worse song uh it seems kind of appropriate almost we are critics i've just realized we didn't really talk much about under the sea very out very much but we should at least talk about this one <laughs> yeah no one's gonna care i don't think hey you guys didn't uh you guys didn't talk about under the sea enough um yeah. well i i mean you know like you said i i, I think once anthony Kiedis started trying to sing or got convinced he could sing they kind of went downhill 
Um, yeah, and this song sort of harkens back to uh, a very short era uh, in music, I think, where weird was good. Yeah. You know? I, I miss that a lot because so much of that would be tempered uh, into something more palatable for, for morons, I guess, if you don't mind me calling, right. calling a large part of our, our music listening public morons. But, you know, I'll take Sick and Nico over... Um, Californication any day. Oh, definitely, yeah. Uh, so, but yeah, this song is actually heavy, and it and it works because it's it's funk. There's like funk and thrash kind of in the mix there, and and yeah. uh, there's a confidence, and I didn't have to listen to we don't have to listen to Kitas moan about anything. So, it's so weird to think that there are kids now who probably listen to the Red Hot Chili Peppers who've never even heard that song and and don't know that they used to sound like that. You know what? Um, just the other night, we were watching Wayne's World, and my ten-year-old took took notice, and he sort of sat down, and he's he's checking it out, and he, you know, it's near the beginning of it where Bohemian Rhapsody sort of starts up, and I guess he kind of thinks that's funny, but there's a number of references in, references in that movie uh, that he's like, "What the fuck are they talking about?" You know, like he just right. gave me this look, like, "What the fuck is this?" Uh, so. <laughs> Uh, I don't even think, yeah, I think you're right. I don't even think kids would know it from this movie or anything. So Wow, wow. That's just an awful story. What color was the Mustang? Cherry red. Oh, God. You want to know the worst part? Uh, well, not the worst part, the second worst part. Uh, with the insurance money, it was totaled. But with the insurance money, it was enough to get another Mustang, uh, uh -huh. except it was a 1984 hatchback, uh -huh. I think. <laughs> maybe not. Don't, maybe it was. Uh, I can't don't, remember. Don't say what I think you're going to say. Yeah, I wrecked that one too. <laughs> God damn it, Jeff! <laughs> but oh uh, that one at least wasn't my fault. Uh, the first one was definitely my fault. Oh you know, my, with my God. stupid hair hanging out the window, trying to dry my hair as though that matters. Oh um, my God! You know, it's it in a way, it's everything everyone hates about teenagers is they're so self-centered. Like, uh -huh. yeah, no, your hair doesn't matter. There are babies around you. <laughs> you <know? laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm so. at that point now with a, a new baby. I freak out whenever I take him anywhere because people here do not know how to drive. I know everyone says that about where every city they live, but God, people here do not drive worth a shit. And I'm so worried about somebody <laughs> plowing into us. You know, I just did a road trip up to uh, up to Washington and back and. And I had a pretty good experience all around, except when I left and returned to California. Uh, everyone is so polite in Oregon and Washington on the road. I mean, they'll let you in, you know. Like, mm -hmm. Cal but California, I don't think is inept. I think they're just dicks, you know. Right. Like, like here, a turn signal is a sign of weakness. Like, you're not going to get that kind of treatment up north, for example. Well, so. the thing I, I miss about California, though, is that at least people drove with a sense of purpose. Like, yeah. they knew where they were going. They knew what to do to do it. You know, here people are so tentative, and it, people don't know how to merge onto a, into traffic. Like, they're getting onto the highway. They, yeah. they try to get on going 40. It's, it's ridiculous. Oh. And they do yeah. this, this move here on, in the city streets. I've, I've dubbed it the Wichita Whip Around. Where uh, oh, yeah. some, somebody's uh, somebody's following a car and a lot of the streets here are two lanes, you know, each direction, but there's no turn lane for anyone. Oh, so yeah. if a car is going to turn the car that's behind them will will whip around them so that they don't uh -huh. have to slow down. Right. It's dangerous as shit, because if you're following that car, then they whip around. You're going to plow right into the one that's turning because they're oh. slowing down or stopped. Yeah, it, it's just ridiculous. But anyway. 
That's yeah. awful, man. I can't believe you did that. But uh, I mean, well, I did that. I wrecked two Mustangs <laughs> somehow, <laughs> you know, and, you know, that 84 Mustang had a really sweet amp built into it. Like you pulled oh. the switch out and it got loud. Right. <laughs> oh, I missed that thing. Oh, man. Anyway, what about okay. you? Where are you at? Number two. All right. Well, let's see. My number two, like like that one is is not a song you're really going to come across very often. I. I would be, I would actually be surprised if a lot of people have even heard this song. I'm sure some have, though, because it's a, a popular artist off of one of his more popular albums. Hey, man. But it's a deep track. My, my baby's hey, getting man. a little restless. He, he's trying to take the mic from me. He doesn't want to hear this story, I don't think. OK, so again, this ties in. All my picks tie into the same uh, relationship. And basically what this boils down to is, you know, over the course of a relationship, you you come across things that just become kind of your guys's, you know, your, yeah. your song, your movie, your whatever. And so this actually kind of became like our song. Um, I don't really remember how it came to be. I think it was just because I was really into a heavy Johnny Cash phase at the time. Mm. Um, and this is off Johnny Cash's, uh, I think it's technically called American two unchained, uh, uh-huh. but, most people just call it Unchained, I believe. And it's a pretty good album. I haven't really went back to listen to the whole thing in a long time, but this is one of the deeper cuts. This is like the fifth or sixth track off of it. And it's a cover song. Johnny Cash, one of the masters of the cover song, he could do just about anybody's song and make it his own one way or another. Um, I always kind of thought it was a mixed bag, but I'm glad to hear you dig it, dig it all. Well, which what's one that you don't uh, don't care for? Uh, you know, I don't I don't think Rusty Cage is much better than the original. I love the original, but uh, yeah, that that one always bumped me. It felt like the tempo was off. But that's the only one I can think of actually. Uh, well, I don't know. I just like that he makes it he makes it his own. It doesn't sound you know like the Soundgarden version. It's his his you know his that's true, yeah. song. Uh, well, but this one is a, a cover. Actually, I I forget now who actually recorded the original version but the biggest hit uh was dean martin uh had a version of this and I, th- I believe it was 55 and uh it's it's kind of spoke to us because uh, my ex was a big uh cook she loved to cook and this song makes reference they they refer to like love as a recipe and that just you know she was tickled by that so this hmm. kind of became our uh, our song and like I said, I don't run across this song very often, but uh, when I'll, what I'll get into like uh, with my number one, the way things turned out with me and my ex uh, makes this song kind of hard to listen to. Uh, but it's okay. a great song, though, either way. It's called Memories Are Made Am Of This. To sip the wine. Memories are made of this. Then at the wedding bell, one house where lovers dwell Three little kids for the flavor Stir carefully through the day See how the flavor stays These are the dreams that we will savor With We better uh, keep that a little short. It's not a very long song. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty pretty short song just over two minutes isn't it yeah and that's actually kind of carefree and and uh from an era that tends to be kind of carefree in retrospect it sounds innocent yeah uh but i'm, I'm willing to bet that you don't get any of that do you 
Well, not anymore. I mean, at the time, it seemed like a, a really a nice song. But, you know, that's how it goes with, uh, you know, ruined songs. You you just have a bad taste in your mouth, even on the cheeriest, happiest song, you know. Yeah. Um, and it's not the song's fault. No, <laughs> it, no, not it at never all. never is. And, I, you know, I don't know at what point you can ever overcome that or if you can, a song that's been kind of tainted. If you're able to yes. ever get past that, which I'll kind of I'll mention it in my also rants because there's a couple that I've kind of almost gotten past. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think everybody's probably got at least a couple songs like that, though, that remind them of an ex and they just can't stomach them anymore. Yeah. And, and I think that changes over time where one of my also, I don't have very many also rants. I have like two <laughs> or three. And uh, one of those is just the song that my high school girlfriend and I that was like our song. And I can still listen to that song and enjoy it. It's not really ruined, but it'll also always be underscored due to those impressionable years, you know? Right, exactly. It's sort of a, it's cut, it's just cut a certain way. So as, as <laughs> Alistair uh, begs the question, what is your, uh, what is your number one ruined song as he tries to ruin I'm this podcast? I'm sorry, Al. I'm sorry. I'll get on it. Um, <laughs> My number one is from a 2003 album uh, by a band we've talked about before, I've talked about before, called The Drive-By Truckers. And uh, the album in, uh, in question is Decoration Day. And, and really, like, this entire album is kind of ruined for the, this, uh, the same reason. Uh, we're going back to the ex-girlfriend who I've dubbed Diane. Uh, and it feels weird talking about her, but... Um, you know, you kind of have to, I guess, even though I'd rather not. Uh, I've actually put her on radio silence over these past couple of years because she'll still email me occasionally. And and what I've learned about people with borderline personalities, uh, which is just my opinion, uh, is that uh, radio silence is really the only way out. Uh, yep. Otherwise, they'll pull you back in. But anyway... Um, Drive-by truckers uh, is the literate man, the literate man's Southern rock. Uh, 2003 is the year the truckers sort of hit their peak, if you ask me. Um, I, I think a lot of people would argue that their their Southern rock opera double album is where they they like to be, but I think the, the this one, the one that came after, is where the band sort of have a unity in in, in purpose, a creative purpose. But like I said, that's arguable. Uh, the, the best thing about this album is that J Jason Isbell, uh, his influence is all over it, um, and he he wouldn't stay with the band much much. Far. I don't think he got much farther than the next album. But anyway, I got this album like right when it came out. I think the same year. Anyway, I had heard the song "My Sweet Annette" on a sampler. Do you remember CMJ samplers? Oh sure, yeah. I'm pretty sure I got it off of one of those. Uh, but the song I'm talking about is called "My Sweet Annette." And uh, like I said, I was seeing this girl, and at the time we kind of enjoyed it together. After I'd introduced it, um, uh -huh. it appealed it appealed to her sensibilities as well as mine, I guess you could say. Uh, and but you know, this girl is just as crazy as a bag of raccoons. Uh, <laughs> that sounds like something I'd hear out here. And you know, I'd feel weird saying that about anybody uh, if I were naming them or. <laughs> <laughs> or yeah yeah i guess i got a little bit of that midwestern <laughs> sensibility uh, uh i'd feel weird saying this about anyone uh period uh, whether i name them whether i was naming them or not but um i kind of feel like i've earned <laughs> the the 
the you know the the right to express this because of what I went through with her. Uh, this girl could be really sweet and funny, and um, but when you cut it with my codependent sensibility uh, and her tendency to isolate me from friends and family, uh, the tendency to pick fights with almost no context. I mean, she picked a she she started a huge fight with me in the parking lot of my best friend's wedding where the cops had to intervene. Um, like she had no problem just throwing down for. Wow. Yeah, it was. And, you know, me, Joby, I'm I'm like an introverted guy. I don't I don't like attention too much anyway. Um, so I, I don't know. It, it, it's it's weird bedfellows for sure. But, you know, with with borderline personalities, they have narcissistic tendencies, too. And, and they're really good at manipulating and me being so conflict averse, you know, I would I would just sort of I would end up kowtowing, even though she was awful to me. You know, even though she used to criticize me for drinking, and yet she was the one that would be throwing up. You know, right? It was it just made no sense. Um, but anyway, this is a this is a lethal combination. It took years to shed this trauma, and I feel a little embarrassed talking about it, but it. Um, I think it's it's important uh, to get it out there because I think a lot of people go through this. I I don't think borderline personalities are, are quite as rare as people think. So um, put it this way: once once they break you down, and you have to choose between like conflict or your dignity, it gets easier and easier to just abandon your dignity. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know you can relate to this, right? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. So. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I'll, I'll, I'll be uh, kind of a, uh, expanding on that here in a minute with my number one. So, yeah. How, right. how long were you guys together? That is the real tragedy. It's off and on nine years. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I, I got you. So, anyway, back to this record. Uh, so, instead of a perfectly beautiful ballad about a woman left at the altar, told brilliantly from the groom's perspective on My Sweet Annette, I hear Diane daring me to hit her so she'd win the argument. Ah, <laughs> Which, and gotcha. I never took her up on that for the record. Um, but I, you know, when I hear the song, I, a lot of it, I, I think of the time I could have spent with my friends or my mother, mm-hmm. who would be dead less than, who would be dead less than two years after I finally escaped her house. And uh, so, uh, it, granted, the song is sort of sad and regretful, but it it used to be beautiful to me. We were set to marry in October thirty. I sat beside the court nurse, fine as she could be. I never ever noticed her best primarily. Took a job at the sawmill, I bought my girl a ring. Had a pre-wedding party, close friends and family. Everything was fine, eating homemade ice cream. I swear it I can see the that I can see how that's problematic because that's that's a really good song, and it's hard when that a song that good is what gets ruined for you. Yeah, I guess I haven't given it up, but I don't I don't go out of my way to listen to that record anymore. But when it uh, when it comes on, does it have an effect on you? 
You know, I, 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 yeah, a little bit, only in this, only in a regretful sense. You know, I it, it immediately it takes me back to my first apartment, uh, uh-huh. where I, I was living with two buddies, and I, I remember I was hanging out with her that day, and I would have much rather been hanging out with one of them. You mm-hmm. know, so uh, that's just the initial impression. I, you know, if I really thought about it, I could go through. It, it's sort of weird uh, trauma. You know, it's it's. It comes and goes, but mostly it's fuzzy. Like I can barely remember anything. It's it like the brain has this weird survival mechanism, almost like childbirth. My wife describes it as as having you know labor nesia, <laughs> you know, where, right, where yeah. the only reason people would have a second child is because they don't their brain sort of protects them from the pain of it. And yeah. I feel like trauma is similar, you know. Yeah, I agree. I uh... so. But the song, the song is, uh, yeah, I, I guess I'll, if I, you know, as, as that song went on just now, it, I, it got a little bit better, but right away, the first thing I think of is, is sort of regret. Right, yeah. yeah I My number one ties a lot uh, in with what you were saying. Ironically, it's not a song I could totally love. Uh, I think it's a a good song, I guess. It's a, a better song than I had given it credit for. But the thing is, I hear it pretty often because it's a you know classic rock, kind of a staple. It's weird when you look back, you feel just uh, you know foolish when you're, you're in something like that and you all it takes to get out is just to get out. You know what I mean? It's not that hard, but no, in, the, in the moment it seems just insurmountable to do it. Yeah. Uh, and you were talking about, um, you were saying how, uh, like when you would get off work, you wouldn't want to go home and things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. when I, when I kind of knew I was really getting towards the beginning of the end, uh, with my exes, I was working a 12 hour shift or well, I had signed up to work a 12 hour shift um, but since four hours of that was overtime, if they can get you out early, they would. So I ended up getting off two hours early and I got off work and I didn't know what to do. Cause I, my already told my ex I was going to, you know, be home in 12 hours. Yeah. So I, and I didn't really have any money, so I couldn't really go anywhere to like do anything to enjoy myself. So I just sat in the break room and, uh, and wrote a little bit and just, you know, kind of chit chatted with everyone as they would come in on their little breaks and everything oh. for two hours. I was yeah. like, what am I, what am I doing? What the yeah, fuck I remember, am I doing? Uh, I remember Fridays being ruined because that was always the most daunting part of the week was weekends. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause that's when the borderline personality would get even more borderline for some reason, I guess uh, drinking or something. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's kind of weird when you're like, Oh fuck, it's Friday. <laughs> You know? Right. <laughs> well, see, with us, yeah, that, that was Friday was just another day. Every day was yeah. Friday for us. Right. Uh, the drinking got really out of hand. Uh, we were both enabling each other, basically, because that was the thing. Like, you know, I just wanted, I just wanted to keep the peace. Like you said, you know, I just wanted yeah. just everything to be cool. Just stop. You and know? you'll you'll really sacrifice so much more than you know to to get that piece yeah and yet it's it's never lasting the chaos I mean, always returns yeah i mean well and you know it's funny like not long after i met her 
my time in being in bands came to an end. And I, I do believe that was just coincidence. But the fact that I never joined another band was not. I think that was some sort of, you know, her trying to kind of keep me from doing anything without her or having any fun or, you know, anything without her at all. Right. Um, but what what compounds this, it makes it so much more difficult, isn't just that it's an ex and that we were married for longer than I would really care to admit. It's just the way things kind of turned out for for her, uh, really. Well, I, yeah, you you mentioned being in your own apartment, though. I Before you go in any further, I want to ask you, because um, like I was kind of a chicken shit about it. I actually had improved myself. I had gone through sort of a, a program for codependence. And as, as I got better, my crazy ex-girlfriend got got less interested. And it wasn't until she broke up with me <laughs> that I that Oh, I left. wow. Really? So in a way, I, it was worse. It was worse than I, I probably even let on uh, that I wasn't even, you know, but like you said, I could have left at any time. Yeah. I, I just could like we had no children. We had we had nothing on paper, no rings. Yeah. So, uh, but you had a little more. But you, you know, I think I think just having the history fakes you yeah. into thinking, oh, you've wasted all this time. You better, you just better stick it right. out. Well, and I mean, we had met in California, and then we moved out here to Wichita, and I have no one out here. I mean, my dad right. lives in Oklahoma now, but at the time, even he hadn't moved out there yet, so I had no one. You know, no support yeah. system at all. The isolation and is really good. This that girlfriend of mine tried to get me to move down to San Diego without health insurance. Uh, and I'm a diabetic, you know, right. Like, I had been laid off or something or no, it was before I'd been laid off. But she said, why don't you just quit your job and move down here? And I, cause I don't have health insurance. I need health insurance all the time. She said, just come down. We'll figure it out. Like that's, that's not wow. And so like, I'm guessing Wichita is kind of similar though, because she probably wanted to, I mean, without maybe without even knowing it, the idea is to isolate you. Right. Yeah. And uh, you know, it's hard to, to say exactly how, how well, how how conscious she was of what she was doing? Yeah, like I think some of it was just innate. She just knew that's what she needed to do de- deep down without actually planning it all out. Oh yeah, I think it's second nature. Yeah, it just kind of happened. Uh, but yeah, I, I moved out, and uh, that's I mean around the time I I see I actually made the mistake of telling her I was moving out, and uh, what I what I did I couldn't really afford to move out, so I lived in the basement for about a month or so before I moved out. And that was just a month of hell. And uh, why is that? Well, she really escalated quick. Um, Now, you haven't really talked about her much. What escalated? Her uh, basically her behavior, because she's also I mean, we don't have an official. I never got an official diagnosis, but I'm 99 percent sure she was borderline, too. And uh, she started doing things like kind of staging uh, like really showy fake suicide attempts and things like that, you know, like really just oh, over the right. top, um, just ridiculous stuff. And I really had no idea how to deal with it because, I mean, I could knew that. Could you give an example of the, of the ridiculous fake suicide stuff? Uh, well, like one time I remember falling asleep. Well, I say falling asleep. I probably passed out drunk because we probably had gotten drunk and gotten in a huge fight. But I was asleep in the recliner up in our living room. And the way our house was set up, the garage was like downstairs. Like you went down into the basement and then went into the garage because our our Mm. house was like on a hill. And I woke up to the horn honking. And I was like, what the hell is she doing? So I go downstairs and I open the garage and the the garage is full of... uh, 
she's got the car running and the garage closed. Oh, uh, yes. But she's honking the horn to wake me up so that I'll right. find her like that, you know? And so I open the garage door and go back inside. I don't even say anything to her. Oh, and I was like, good God. And things like that. Like she, um, she never actually really uh, like totally cut herself, but she would scratch the shit out of herself so that her wrists and forearms looked all fucked up and things just yeah. really weird shit like that. Um, what really did it though, what finally got me out was, uh, she accused me of hitting her with a lamp mm-hmm. and, uh, we, again, we had gotten, I mean, I was trying to drink to cope with her and, and she was just drinking because that's just what she did. And I couldn't remember. I didn't know if I did it or not. And I was like, Oh God, this is, I don't want to end up in jail. I got to get the fuck out of here. What does your instinct tell you though? Do you think you might've done it? I might have, but in my defense, not that it's any defense, it was one of those Ikea lamps that weighs about eight ounces. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, it wasn't like I hurled some huge thing at her and broke it on the wall or anything. It was just like, you know, it wasn't even. And they'll, and the borderlines, they'll, they'll latch on to anything. Yeah. Uh, You know, they'll, they'll make anything a a magnificent problem. Yeah. Uh, It doesn't matter how small, but that's okay. So she's, she's doing all that and you're in the basement yeah. And so that was the last straw. That was when I finally just said, OK, because I would I had been about two weeks out from getting an apartment, uh, but mm-hmm. they had another one ready that I just didn't want because it wasn't quite, you know, as nice as the other one. And then I just uh, I said, fuck it. Nope, I'm out. I'm out. Go ahead and put me in that apartment. Yeah. That's fine. Get me. Get me yeah, in, yeah. in there. Um, so anyway, like long story short, I uh, I ended up getting a protection order against her because she was stalking me. She was coming to my apartment. She she stole my truck once and parked it just down the road just to mess with me. She yeah. was threatening to come to my work and do shit. She was threatening people I worked with, you know, through me, uh, threatening to do things to people I worked with. I ended up quitting that job and going to get another job where I work now just so she didn't know where I worked. And so she oh. threatened the coworkers, all that. Um, anyway, long story short, she found another guy um, through some dating site or something. Uh, within like a month, let him move into the house, which I mean tells you a lot of what you need to know about her right there. How, well, and, like, and yeah, I, I don't think it says anything bad about the person, but it does say something about borderline. I think where, well, like I was saying, narcissistic personalities and narcissists get their 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 um, what do they call it? Narcissistic supply from other people, and uh, so so yeah, it, they move quickly. <laughs> you know, once yeah. you're gone. <laughs> Had to have somebody around. Couldn't couldn't be alone. Yeah, because uh, otherwise they'd go crazy. So they yeah they uh, lived together. I don't know how long they lived together, but it, it was off to a bad start pretty much right away. In and, your house. Uh, yeah, and yeah. they uh, they started fighting. They were throwing things around. I think they I believe they both got arrested twice within like six Whoa. weeks or something like that. Uh, and then her parents went out of town and they went to. Uh, just go check the mail at her parents' house. And I think they were both drunk. I'm, I'm positive they were because uh, it was like 1230 at night. I, I don't know uh, what happened. I think, I think they had forgotten to do it. And so they just went when they like remembered. Yeah. But uh, they were arguing at her, at her parents' house. And for one reason or another, she went and got her dad's gun out. I don't know if it was to threaten him or, or what, but he ended up getting the better of it. He used it on her and ended up killing her. So she you know, she kind of lost that, uh, that battle. He claims that she like kind of dared him, like, you know, like asked him to do it. And I honestly don't know if that's true or not. It could be. Well, I I, I thought there was some kind of, 
context for you in that sense? Well, the thing was, I was just, I remember thinking that if it hadn't been him at some point, one of us could have ended up that way. Like for sure. Like if, if I had had pulled that on you before though, right? Something like that. Well, what she had done was she had threatened to go get it to kill herself. That was what happened. And so I sent cops to her, uh, her dad's house and they were there waiting for her when she pulled up and that they took her and, uh, put her in the, uh, whatever the psych hospital for a few days and, yeah, it was so it was mess. the same M.O., her father's gun. Yeah. Uh, but this time, this new boyfriend, this volatile new relationship went went together. Yeah, he wasn't uh, he wasn't afraid to use it. And he's currently serving uh, 25 years in Lansing, Kansas Correctional Facility. Wow. Yeah. And so um, the, there is. Oh, sorry. I shouldn't get in your way. I just w- wanted you to bring something up before you move on. Oh, what's that? <laughs> the the uh, Xbox. Oh, well, yeah. See, what ended up happening. There's there's always going to be some levity with us. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, see, so what happened is, you know, that was that's this is the thing. We were uh, we were in the middle of filing for divorce, but we hadn't filed. Nothing was finalized. We had been apart over a year, but just, you know, it costs money to file for divorce. I didn't have any money. And she I don't even know if she was going to go along with it. I thought she would. We had almost sort of made peace by the end. That was kind of the ironic part. I had let the. um I had let the protection order expire and she hadn't really done anything to make me think she was going to mess with me. So I was willing to give her the benefit of the doubt for whatever yeah. reason. Um, but yeah, we were still married. So that was basically my house at that point. And I had to like deal with all the paperwork I had to do. You know, I had to deal with all that shit when that happened. So yeah, we went in there and uh, he had a, a huge like a like a fifty inch or whatever smart TV and an Xbox in there, and I was like, "Well, shit, this is mine now." That was the uh, boyfriends, the murderers, right? Yeah, so I've I've got a I've got a TV and an Xbox that uh, belongs to a murderer, and I still still watch that TV to this day. It's it's on right now as we speak. Well, <laughs> I hate to be la- I hate to laugh at all because it's not really funny, but it's just sort of my instinct when it comes to this kind of stuff. I go okay, right gallows humor. Um, and then there's also I thought there was an oh, do you want to talk about? Uh, how her family treated you at all. Oh, well, they, you know, they blamed me for it because the way they saw it, I drove her to him, you know, by the way I exited the relationship, even though it was like a year prior. <laughs> that um, you exited, exited at all, probably. Yeah. yeah. And, I mean, I'll be honest, though. I mean, there was, you know, there was some guilt there. There still is from time to time, even though I know it's not really my fault there's still you know this notion that like maybe i should have done something different if i could have done something a little different maybe she wouldn't have just went to the first asshole she met on you know match.com or whatever the hell it was but um as though she's a victim right yeah i mean she is obviously but but you know you know better than to think it's as simple as black and white right yeah i mean and out of the whole family there's only one dude like one cousin who who still treats me like you know normal like you know like we're still yeah. friends on facebook everyone else like you know blocked me and unfriended me and all that and he and me and him are still cool and uh talk a li- <laughs> every now and then he's he's fine with it well but, what's the well, song joby well, so here's the thing, because I, you know, there were other songs I thought of that had to do with like dead relatives and whatnot. But the thing is, most of those are not bad memories. You know, like when we did the country episode, I talked about my uncle and how yeah. uh, that Dwight Yoakam song was the last song me and him played together. That's not a bad memory for me. Right. Um, 
one of my also rans I kind of debated and but I, I realized the same thing it's not a bad memory there's a song an Elvis song my grandma used to sing to me like when she used to play guitar but it's not a bad memory yeah. this one is though and I think it's because it brings back such a happy what would have been a happy memory because oh we used to take a lot of road trips uh you know that was one of the few like good times we would have most of the time is uh, traveling and uh she liked Tom Petty a great deal and I was never a fan but neither is Al. <laughs> Al Al's very picky he's very pretentious um clearly <laughs> but she had a cassette back when you know we had cassettes in our in our cars and Tom Petty's greatest hits was one of the cassettes and uh I I didn't know any of the words to the songs but I knew American Girl still probably my favorite Tom Petty song mm-hmm. and then the second song on the uh tape was Breakdown and she would sing along with it whenever we were out driving. And I you know, felt there was no need to uh, compete for lead vocals. So I just took it upon myself to learn the backup vocals. <laughs> and uh, I would sing in like falsetto, you know, and sing the backups just kind of as a goof. And the first time I did it, it really kind of surprised her. And, you know, it was really funny. So it kind of just became like a thing where every yeah. time we would travel, you know, it was always like, that was the only time we listened to it was ever, you know, whenever we were traveling. So uh, it just the song just makes me think of road trips and like being happy because we were getting the hell out of, you know, the desert or out of Wichita, wherever we were at. And we were leaving there. And so that's what I think makes it so weird. And then plus, like I said, it's still something that pops up on the radio from time to time. Whereas like, indeed, that that last song, I'm never going to hear that song unless I put it on. Uh, But yeah, this one's a little bit uh, more invasive. So, yeah, yeah, this this is like the aquarium where. It could just hit you at the dentist or. Right. Know, yeah. It's, yeah. You'll never. Well, I guess under the sea, you're not going to hear on purpose necessarily. But yeah, like Tom Petty, they can play that absolutely anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing is, I actually kind of like the I like the guitar work in it. I think it's kind of like almost sort of haunting the little guitar line he plays like, at the, uh, you know, during the verses or during the intro. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Is it like a Blue Oyster Cult kind of feel? Um, sort of. It's just this weird single note line that slides. He slides up and down. Uh, but yeah, my, my whole part was the, the backup vocals. So that, okay. that was that was my big my big contribution. Your eyes give you away Something inside you is feeling like I do You said all there is to say It's it's kind of haunting how appropriate this song is for the story that you just told. Yeah, I know, right? That's what I Lyrically, was thinking too. It's just, just yeah. on the nose. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, there's no sense of pretending. Your eyes give you away. Something inside you is feeling like I do. We said all there is to say. I'm not afraid of you running away, honey. I got this feeling you won't. You know. Yeah. It's uh, it, yeah, it's on the nose a little bit. Yeah, definitely. But uh, yeah, that's that's the one that I actually uh, wrote something about it because I think that might have been where I got the idea about this um, 
this episode originally because there was a this indie publisher in uh, I think in Oregon was putting out an anthology of people's stories of ruined songs and ruined <laughs> bands and whatnot. Oh, okay. And this was that was like the winter after it happened. So I wrote a, a little I don't know three page thing about Tom Petty about hearing this song. Oh, okay. So it was I was always on my mind. Is that on booksofjoby.com? Uh, it is not, no. Um, oh, okay. I, I, I could throw it up there, though, if people are interested in, in reading it. Yeah, um, you should. I don't think anyone's read it except for me and the person I submitted it to. Uh, do you have any also-rans? I do. Uh, I mentioned I mentioned uh, the Elvis song. Uh, as far as my ex goes, the other one that I almost went with was Morning Dew by the Grateful Dead. Uh, but the thing with that one is that I think that my appreciation for them has surpassed the the connection to her i oh, mean i didn't I'm, know I'm, you like the dead i'm not a huge fan but i certainly appreciate them way more than i ever did okay and uh, the same actually the same goes for morphine because she introduced me to morphine but it didn't take long at all before i i surpassed her in terms of fandom for morphine which by the way today as we're recording this is mark sandman's 66th birthday oh okay uh, well, are you in? Are you in that morphine group on Facebook? No, I guess I'm not. Uh, some guy shared some uh, YouTube clip from a concert in '99 where they're playing some of the songs off the night, and uh, I, I think it might be before they recorded the record. I don't know because they all sound a little different. It's it's fantastic though. Hmm. Well, um, and yesterday was uh, let's see, September twenty whatever the hell did it twenty third uh, was the boss's birthday. Springsteen oh, turned sixty nine, dude. Oh <laughs> shit. And well, of course, uh, he looks better than I do. <laughs> so. Yeah, naturally, it's amazing what money <laughs> anyway. will do. Well, my other two, uh, I have two other also rands that are much, much different in tone than everything I've been talking about. Uh, what, what do you have for also rands? Uh, I have uh, "Try Not to Breathe," like I mentioned. REM is the second track of uh, 1992's "Automatic for the People." That was just a high school song, uh, you know, sort of a puppy love thing, uh, mm-hmm. although also dysfunctional. Um, Stray Cat Strut is also related to the, the off and on nine year ex, uh, person. And then, um, Astral Weeks is the only one I was really considering. Cause that was, uh, that was ruined by my mother's funeral. She, uh, she died uh-huh. of uh, ovarian cancer in 2012. And, you know, we sort of did a, did a, uh, what do you call it? Like, um, this is your life slideshow kind of thing. And, oh, sure. and I, I, I wept through the whole thing. Oh man. I think. Yeah. So. Uh, but uh, to be honest, that should have been my number one. Uh, but I didn't feel like uh, listen. It's one of those I, I actually avoid. I don't. I don't. Right. Like yeah. th- There's lyrics in there, and I I, I don't think I'd done it on purpose because I'd chosen the song. Uh, but there's this this bit about kissing my eyes, uh, which you know your mother kiss you all over. I remember my mother kissing my eyes, and and then there's this lyric about in another time in another place we'll be born again. And the Dutch and the back road stop Could you find me? Would you kiss my eyes? Lay me down the Silence is To be born again To be born again I was yeah. thinking about, you know, just God, if I could be born again, I'd I'd want you to be my mother again. And it even just talking about it, I'm kinda like, all right, moving on. Right. 
Okay. So. Well, um, I've got two, and like I said, they're very uh, different than anything else we've done. Um, one is just a quick aside. It's not even, I mean, I guess it's a real song, but I don't count it as one. Um, in high school, I had a girlfriend who lived on the second floor and she would sneak me into her room so that we could, you know, do the, the, the nasty. Yeah. And, uh, Sometimes, though, I would not sneak. Sometimes I would just be up there and then her parents would go to bed and, you know, we would just I would just stay, you know, really late. <laughs> um, well, one time we were up there and we started uh, we had the TV on and it was like a Sunday night or something. So it was, it was like, on MTV, I'm sure. Probably. And I think the infomercials were coming on and all that stuff, oh, you know, boy. all the all the PSAs were running and all that. Sure. And so uh, we're starting to uh, decide it's time to go ahead and, and get get going, you know, do the you know, do the the horizontal mambo. Yeah, uh, yeah. So we're like getting undressed and unbeknownst to us on the TV is a, a commercial for the Christian Children's Fund. Uh, you know, like, you know, for <laughs> yes. 80 cents a day, you can feed Maria for an entire year. You know, one of yeah. those kinds of things. And so <laughs> I she's on the bed naked. I am just removing the last article of clothing. We're both completely naked. This is this close to getting ready to do it. And all we hear is Jesus loves all the little children. Oh no! All the little children <laughs> of the world. And like, oh my God, what the fuck? I can't. Can we still do this now? Oh my God, I think we have to stop. Can it's we- funny because uh, that would not have dissuaded me. <laughs> well, ultimately, he ultimately Jesus lost that battle, but still, oh good, I, it did cause a. Like, we we just started laughing so loud. I thought we were gonna wake our parents up. It was just such an odd odd placement of all times for that song to play so anytime i hear that it just automatically takes me back to that moment well um, i think there are a lot of people out there who hear jesus loves little children and they think of fucking Right, of course. I mean, as as you do, especially Catholic priests. Especially, um, that's exactly where I was going. Yeah. Uh, are you a fan of John Waters movies? Uh, you know, not really, because I've it's been one of those blind spots for me. Have you seen Pink Flamingos? No. Okay. Well, I know this, I know someone eats a piece of shit in that movie though, or something like that, right? That's correct. Uh, this is going to be great fun to explain to you. Then anyone who's seen Pink Flamingos will know what I'm talking about. There's a song <laughs> by the Trashmen. Uh, I think it came out in I want to say like 1990 or 90, 1963 is when it came out. You talking about Surfing Bird? Surfing Bird. I love Surfing Bird. <laughs> it's a great song. It's a fantastic song. It kind of it's a took, fantastic song. It took two songs that already kind of existed and merged them, like that Papa Umau Mao song and, uh, and yeah. some other song. Well, that song is featured in Pink Flamingos, and so the, the the plot of Pink Flamingos is that this family prides themselves on being the filthiest family in Baltimore, and a new family comes to town and challenges them. And they start trying to outdo each other who's trashier, who's filthier, who's nastier. <laughs> well, um, there's a birthday party that's thrown uh, in the movie. And <laughs> when this song is is playing, the first thing you see is a Titan sphincter. And <laughs> like a real it, one? Yes. And <laughs> and as the song plays, it opens and closes, almost like it's singing the song. And oh god, I, I tried to find a clip online and I could not find it. Uh, you, I yeah, think you might I, just I have imagine to, uh, YouTube. 
putting you're, you down. Yeah, with you're just going to have to watch the movie. But I guarantee you, once you see that scene, you will never think of Surfing Bird the same way again. Oh, man. I, I, I can, can we assign movies for Spotify wager? I don't know. We've never talked about that. <laughs> well, I guess we could. Um, oh, God. Okay. It, yeah, and it's. I, I actually was just telling Erica about it like a week or two ago. Uh, I was like, yeah, you know, it's just, I don't know how to explain it. He makes his butthole open and close and he's like in the middle of this party, like in front of everyone, he's just doing it like a performance art thing or something. I, I don't, yeah. I don't know, but you just hear, <laughs> bop, you know, the surfing bird is like, Oh God. Oh, so that song is pretty ruined. Uh, although it's still a great song. Yeah. But, uh, well I that, get it. I get it. Yeah. You mentioned the Spotify wager. Should we go ahead and uh, do that? Or should we hit, hit yeah. the closing first or what do you want to do? Uh, let's go ahead and just do uh, do our wager. I, f- I feel like uh, the only one we talked about that would be petty, or, yeah. or cash. We could do cash too. Petty Although cash. Petty's, petty's probably uh, easier to narrow. We could do in. kiss. Oh yeah, we could. What Which, do you think? Uh, well, just to bring it full circle, I just got a notification on Facebook. My wife just commented on that post about how much she loves kiss. Just so you know, <laughs> um, I don't care. Any of those are are fine. I think. Well, I mean, if I'm picking, I'm picking Petty. Okay, let's do Tom Petty. Uh, just because I think I know him better. Uh, I lost this week, so I'm just going to say this is a late, uh, probably the last hit. Oh, are we doing Tom Petty or Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers? Oh, good distinction. I don't know if it matters. Because I feel um, like Spotify might split them. We should probably stick to the Heartbreakers, right? Yeah, probably. Okay, that actually, that's good. Okay, so uh, what I was saying is I want to think this is like their last hit, which is... Uh, Mary Jane's Last Dance. That's got to be on the top five, right? Yeah, I would sure think so. And um, I have a T-shirt that says, oh, my, my, oh, hell, yeah. So. Oh, wow. I'm going to go ahead and go with that. Okay. What do, well, what do you think? Um, hmm. Now, see, I'm classic overthinking, classic Joby yep. here. I'm not doing it. I'm just picking and going, man. <laughs> All right. I'm going to say Free Fallen. Okay. Petty. Is that is that Tom Bra- Is that Heartbreakers? Is Free Fallen oh. Heartbreakers? Full Moon Fever. Is that Heartbreakers or no? I don't know. Oh, shit. Uh, oh, nope. That's a solo album. Okay. Okay. Uh, in that case, uh, will Stop Dragging My Heart Around his song or Stevie Nicks' song? Uh, if you're not sure, I'd pick again. <laughs> I'll say Don't Come Around Here No More. Okay. Uh, okay. Pet, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Uh, okay, top songs. Top five are Breakdown, mm-hmm. Learning to Fly, mm-hmm. uh, Running Down a Dream, Oh, then Mary Jane, and in the number one spot is American Girl. Ah, oh, shit. Don't Come Around Here No More is not on the list, I guess. What? Huh. Don't Do Me Like That is on the list, on the top ten. Huh, that's really yeah. weird. So, wow, that's a clear victory for me. Sweet. All right, everyone. Well, congratulations. You made it to the end of a particularly dark episode of The Ringing Ear. Please make sure to follow us on social media at The Ringing Ear on Instagram and Twitter. We're on Facebook at TheRingingEar.com. No, that's not right. Facebook.com <laughs> slash Ringing Ear. This baby has got me all, all discombobulated. Uh, don't forget yeah. you can hear past episodes, access our concert and album reviews, photo galleries, accompanying accompanying Spotify playlists, all at KillBoringMusic.com, Year Crusade, Your Ally. 
<laughs> your crusade in the ally against boring music. You need a nap, my friend. You need both a nap. Both of us do, man. I think uh, we both do. All right, you are going to listen by a brand new album by someone named Lonnie Holly. Uh, L-O-N-N-I-E-H-O-L-L-E-Y. Um, it is, uh, I've just came, been made aware of this album uh, last night, and I listened to some of it, and I was kind of blown away. So uh, hopefully I wasn't too tired or, or otherwise inebriated last night to know, to know not, not know better. So, uh, okay. yeah. What's it called? It's called Myth, M-I-T-H. Yeah, it's 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 kind of a solo singer songwriter thing, but with a like a soul. It's kind of what I wish uh, Blood Orange was, uh, okay. you know. Instead, in, in a way, I think this is an older guy. I'm not exactly sure. I haven't done much research. So, anyway, okay. um, our episodes are produced by Jeff Nail and Ken Joby, and our intro music, "Set Guitars to Kill," was written and performed by. And so I watch you from afar. Please go to asiwyfa.com to check them out. Uh, unsigned artists, don't forget you can submit your work to us at killboringmusic.com to be featured in our Unsigned Artist Spotlight. And, Jeffrey, who do we have in the spotlight this week? A mystery band. Well, sort of a mystery. Uh, you know, it's funny. We make fun of names, and I know that's sort of a fool's errand, but still, when, it, when first impressions are first impressions. And uh, this band is called Pegasus Window, and I'm like, that's a stupid name. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but I, I like the track. Uh, it's called Strange Ship. And I like it because of how imperfect it is. I think um, it's not fair, but I think certain rock bands, some sometimes the messier they are, the more I love them. Mm-hmm. That yeah, definitely. This is not a, a finished product. This is not ready to be released, you know, or published. Uh, at best, this sounds like a like a fun demo. Uh, but I did have fun listening to it. Unfortunately, it's not on Spotify. Uh, but I am going to put one of their other songs on our list, which is called uh, "Walking the Marsh." Yeah, I, and, I uh, honestly, I really, I really dig this. I'll, you know, I'll, like like you said, just like kind of the the attitude, the spirit of it. I would, I would take demos or you know submissions like this over some of the more polished, bland stuff we get all day long. Yeah, yeah, and and, and you know maybe there's an implied honesty or something more there, but I'm not really sure what to call it, but. You know, this this reminds me, this is sort of a, a nostalgia thing for me because this reminds me of what my demos used to sound like, you know? And we don't we don't know where they're from or how many guys are in the band or anything, do we? No, we uh, no, I take it back. We do know they're from Columbus, Ohio. Oh, that's right, Columbus. Okay. And uh, you can check them out at uh, pegasuswindowmusic.bandcamp.com. All right, well, that does it for us, folks. Here is Strange Ship by Pegasus Window playing us out. So this is Joby. And this is Jeff. We're reminding you to keep fighting the good fight, reject the rudimentary, slay the simple, murder the mundane, uh, kill the boring, and by God, be sure to keep your goddamn ears ringing. Mm-hmm.